Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. I'm so excited about this message because I get to preach on my favorite numbers verse. It's so favorite, I know it in Hebrew. Adonai itanu. Al tiraum. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. But the future is scary. And that's true of camping trips. So often camping trips are, are scary. You know, when our kids were about 13 to 5, Joni and I said, all our vacations so far have been Fourth Commandment vacations. You know what Fourth Commandment vacations are, right? You, you go home to see mom and dad. I mean, that's all we did, you know. For a variety, I would see my family first and then her family and then switch it the next year. Wow. And we said, oh, we got to let our kids see some of the country. So we said, the only way we're going to be able to afford it is to camp. And what better thing to do than to go on a two-week camping trip to the Rockies? I'd never seen mountains before in my life. We drive up, and the first time I see mountains, there's Pikes Peak. And of course, we got to go up onto the top of Pikes Peak in our old woody station wagon, you know? First time I've ever seen a mountain in my life. Let me tell you, getting up there and getting down was exhausting. Not just for me, but for our kids. By the time we got down, it was starting to get dark. We desperately needed to find a camping site. And we found 11 Mile Canyon. What a beautiful place. But the farther you drive into this 11-mile canyon, the fewer people you see. And the farther you drive into this 11-mile canyon, the more of these you see. (laughs) We have never camped in bear country. Suddenly camping becomes a terrifying experience. That's what happened to the Israelites too. They had been camping for about two years. You see, they had started their camping trip from Egypt to go to the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. They, they had left Egypt, they had gone, gone south down to, to, to Mount Sinai at the southern tip of the, the Sinai Peninsula. And, and then they had spent a, a year at Mount Sinai because the Lord explained, I'm going to be at the center of your camp. I'm going to be at the center of your life. And I want you to build a tabernacle with all these beautiful gold furnishings to, 
be a constant reminder to you that the Lord is present with you. He is the center of your life. If you keep him at the center of your camp, you will be successful. So they spent a year making and manufacturing everything that made up the tabernacle. And then within just a few short months, they travel from the southern tip of the Sinai Peninsula up to Kadesh Barnea, just south of uh, what we would typically call the promised land. And it's at Kadesh Barnea where the, they can almost smell and taste the land flowing with milk and honey. It's only a few miles away that the Lord says to Moses, send spies to check out the land. And that's what our lesson is all about today. So I would encourage you, if you grabbed a Bible as you came in, by the way, I would always encourage you, grab a Bible on your way in. But if you don't have a Bible, most of us have Bible apps. Go ahead. Grab your phone. It's okay. Even if you're looking at Facebook, while no one will know. So go ahead. Grab your Bible app, and let's take a look at Numbers chapter 13. So Numbers chapter 13, verse 1. The Lord said to Moses, send some people to explore the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So at the Lord's command, Moses sent them out from the desert of Paran. All of them were leaders of the Israelites. So he sends them out from this area of Kadesh Barnea, and they travel 200 miles north from Kadesh Barnea all the way past Mount Hermon up to Lebo Hamath. You know, it's like walking from here to the very tip of Door County and back. And the spies come back 40 days later, and they are excited because the land flowing with milk and honey is a dream come true. Let's continue at verse 26 of Numbers chapter 13. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Wow! It's a dream come true. You know, the fruit was so big that, that, that they cut down a, a bunch of grapes and it, it was so heavy that, that two of the spies put it on a pole and they carried that bunch of grapes. You know, this is our dream. But then he said, the bad news is this dream is unattainable. We can't possibly reach it. We go on at verse 28. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified, fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Negev is the, the southern region of the Promised Land. The Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. So that was the, the mountainous spine that the Jerusalem is on the central mountain range, and the Canaanites lived near the sea and along the Jordan. So the Canaanites lived on the, on the plains. 
Then Caleb, one of the spies, silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there were of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak, are from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we look the same to them. Oh. You see, this, this dream of the promised land is unattainable because we are facing unconquerable enemies. There are walled cities there. Look around, Moses. Look around, fellow Israelites. We don't have any siege uh, equipment. There's no way that we can take a fortified city. And the Nephilim are there. Nephilim is just putting the, the Hebrew letters into to English letters. Probably the best translation for Nephilim is violent attackers. So what I... I, I to get a picture in your head, just think of one of the most violent movies that you've ever seen that has a drug lord in it or gang violence. You know, where, where, where people use violence to control territory and to control people and they're vicious. That's Nephilim. <gasps> There's drug lords. There's gang leaders there. We can't take them on. And besides all that, they're taller than we are. The genetic stock of the, the people who lived in Canaan, they, they were taller than those poor, short, little Israelites. And remember, this is the time that most warfare is hand-to-hand combat. You can't shoot somebody from 100 yards away. You've got to be right here. And it, it's a real obstacle when somebody is about a head higher than you to take them on in hand-to-hand combat. There is no way that we're going to be able to take these on. Don't you see that it is hopeless? They are unconquerable enemies. And that news spread. Take a look at chapter 14, verse 1. That night all the members of the community raised their voices and wept loud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. The whole assembly said to them, if only we had died in Egypt or in this wilderness, why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? Oh, the good old days. And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. What happens? The hearts of the the, the ten spies are filled with despair. And despair is infectious. It spreads. It spreads to the whole community. It is hopeless. And they rebel not just against Moses, but they rebel against the Lord himself. Ah, but that's so long ago. That's just the Israelites. Or maybe it's us, too. You see, 
we're of the same spiritual genetic stock of the Israelites. We have our own versions of the promised land that we dream of. It, it can take different forms. You know, peace, uh, safety, good health. You know, that, that our family works together, that we have financial security, that, that we love our jobs, that we have time to relax, that, that, that everybody is doing okay in our lives, that, that we have a long life, that, and it's just filled with joy, everything's going great. What makes your promised land, that land flowing with milk and honey that you just go, you know, I see it on Facebook, I see other people have it, I want that. What is that promised land that you would just long for? What makes your dream? We all have them. And then what makes those dreams unassailable, unattainable? because you're facing unconquerable enemies. The biggest one is guilt. You know, we fail God, we fail each other. Losers. And everybody else has families that work together. Ours is in a state of dysfunction. We never have enough money to make ends meet. Maybe there's even abuse present in your life. You're, you're exhausted. Your job stresses you out. You're dealing with depression. Maybe you just got horrible medical diagnosis. Maybe death is really coming close to you or to somebody that you love. Hospice care is there or not too far away. Oh, these all make our dreams unattainable because they are enemies that are unconquerable and despair spreads, right? When we focus on these unconquerable enemies, darkness comes over our lives and that darkness not only spreads and fills more and more of our lives but it tends to spread and, and infect the people around us too. Brothers and sisters, it's not just the Israelites who felt that the future was frightening. The Israelites, uh, we have that same problem too. But then God sent a Joshua and a Caleb. Take a look at the text again. Chapter 14, verse 5. Then Moses and Aaron fell face down in front of the whole assembly gathered there. Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes. That was a symbol of, of sorrow and, and mourning. And said to the entire Israelite community, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid of the people of the land because we will devour them. Their protection is gone. How can Joshua and Caleb be so sure that they are going to have the victory? Because, let's read it together, the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Adonai itanu al tiraum. 
They should have known. How did, how, did, how did Joshua and Caleb know the Lord is with us? Because they could see the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night that was above the tabernacle that was right at the center of their camp. Brothers and sisters, remember the Lord is with us. We don't have to be afraid. The victory is ours. We've got the Lord on our side. Oh, if only we had that pillar of fire and that pillar of smoke. If only our lives were camped around the, the tabernacle and then we would know the Lord's presence. But brothers and sisters, we can have that kind of life. We do have that kind of life. When we gather together in worship here in person or for those of you online, what are we doing? We are gathering together and at the center of the camp is the cross of Christ. The cross of Christ is what reassures us the Lord is with us, that he has already done the fighting that we are afraid of. The greatest enemy that we face is guilt that separates us from God and separates us from each other. We have a God who came and took that guilt upon himself your guilt has been atoned for. You are forgiven. You are a God's child who does not need to be afraid. You can not only see the, the empty cross, Jesus victorious, but you see the empty tomb. That tomb that dispenses hope to you. Hope that you have a God who can do all things. You see, the Lord is at the center of our camp. When we gather together in public worship, when you as a family have a family devotion, when you as an individual spend time in letting God speak to you in his word, you are being reminded the Lord is with you. And you are already victorious. Because you are already in the promised land. You see, the promised land isn't peace and safety and health here on earth. Those are marvelous things if God in his wisdom chooses to give it to us. But the promised land that God really wants us to have is a life with him forever. And guess what? You and I are already in that promised land right now, right? We have a life that will never and we are already in the promised land. Those of you who believe that Jesus is your Savior, you have eternal life right now. The victory is yours. Now that doesn't mean that the battle is easy. Don't be surprised when you get tired of the battle and fear starts to rise in your heart. You are not the first. This is just the way it is for us as Christians. It's hard for us to keep the Lord at the center and we get tired. And maybe when you get tired, what I would encourage you to do is, is find a psalm like Jan's psalm. Jan's psalm is right on, if you have your worship folder, the center of the back page is Jan's psalm. Oh, King David wrote it. It's called Psalm 13, but I call it Jan's psalm because Jan was a good friend of mine, a member of the congregation down in Missouri, 
who was a single mom who had teenage kids, and her promised land was that her kids would be Christians when they grew up, and, and that they would love and care for each other, and that they would love her, and it seemed like that promised land was unattainable because of the enemies that seemed to be unconquerable, and Despair was spreading through her life, and I just said, let's read Psalm 13 together because it is not unusual that we get tired of the battle. This is just a fact of life for us as Christians, and we have to remember the Lord is at the center of the camp. Let's read it together, Psalm 13. Please join with me. How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? How long, how long, how long, how long? I'm tired of the battle. I can't really see the victory. How long? And the enemies are unconquerable. The psalmist goes on. Let's read it together. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my foes will rejoice when I fall. The enemies are overwhelming. But then the psalmist reminds us that the Lord is present. He is among us, and that calms our hearts. We continue. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation I will sing the Lord's praise, for he has been good to me. The battle is long, but the Lord is with us, and the victory is ours. So we've seen the, the, the future can be frightening but we have a calming present, not time, but that the Lord is present among us. He is victorious. That calms our hearts and gives us peace when everything else around us is in turmoil. And then we have the encouraging past. You know, it was probably 30 years ago when I first heard a a marriage counselor say, or family counselor say, every family should go camping because camping produces crises, crises produce stories, and stories produce or unite families. You know, what is this book? It's God's camping stories, right? Stories that, that are meant to help us be united with our family that, that lived a long time ago. If you're not reading God's camping stories, on a daily basis, could I make a suggestion to you as a next step? On the inside back cover of your worship folder is group work. And in that group work are are listed four camping stories. Choose one, choose more than one. Just spend a couple of minutes this afternoon reading one of those camping stories. Because you see, everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that by the encouragement and endurance of scriptures, we might have hope. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 15. We have hope when we listen to God's camping stories. Are you spending time learning God's camping stories? 
to keep us united with a family across the ages? And then are you telling your camping stories? We all have them, right, as Christians? Times when, when you were just overwhelmed and you, you, you didn't think you could go on, but the Lord in his faithful love heard your prayers and gave, gave you strength for the day. When you had financial problems that were overwhelming and God provided. When you didn't know how the, this health crisis was going to turn out and you and so many others prayed and God miraculously provided a solution. What is your camping stories? What are your camping stories? Stories of God's faithfulness. Your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your friends, they need to hear those camping stories because sometimes they just get tired of the battle and they need to be reminded. So what are your camping stories? Are you sharing your stories of God's faithfulness with those that are around you? And then one last thing. Who's your Joshua? To whom can you be a Caleb? You see, the Israelites shouldn't have needed a Joshua. They had the tabernacle right in the center of their camp with the pillar of cloud and the pillar of fire. The Lord is with us. We don't have to be afraid. But they needed a Joshua when when. The dreams became unattainable and, and, and the enemies are unconquerable and despair is spreading. They needed a Joshua to speak into their hearts and say, don't be afraid, the Lord is with you. Brothers and sisters, who is your Joshua? Who are you spending enough time with that they knew you well enough that they can see that darkness of despair is spreading in your life and they can speak the Lord's victory into your life? We all need Joshua's. And who's, to whom can you be a Caleb? Who are you spending enough time with that as you get to know them, you can sense that darkness and, and hopelessness is spreading in their lives and you can speak into their lives. And this is more important than now, now than ever. You know, at the Global Leadership Summit that we hosted last, last couple of days, one of the speakers said that loneliness is becoming epidemic in our country. In countries like Ghana, loneliness, only 15% of the people feel like loneliness is a huge issue. But our culture is just designed to separate us. We live in homes that are separated. We, we have our, our uh, uh, garage doors that make each garage a, a, you know, a bat cave. We don't have to deal with those horrible neighbors next door. We don't even spend as much time with our friends as we used to. Pre-iPhone, we would spend six hours with our friends in person. Now it's down to two. And as a result, 58% of the general public in the United States says loneliness is a huge issue for me. I am facing the challenges all alone. And what's even more terrifying is that 78% of the Gen Z, 78% of the younger people are saying, loneliness is a huge battle for me. Now more than ever, you and I need to make a commitment 
Because maybe loneliness isn't an issue for you, but I guarantee there are people sitting just a couple of feet from you who are struggling with that battle. And they need a Joshua. They need a Caleb. And I would just ask you, will you be that person? You know, later this month, we'll be really ramping up our effort to start a a bunch of new small groups in the congregation. And, you know, small groups are just not part of Lutheran DNA. We just don't do small groups. But I have seen small groups, I have experienced it over and over again, where somebody was a Joshua to me, and I was able to be a Caleb to them, people that I didn't know before. Could you do me a favor... Could you take out the connection card? Who of you has a connection card? Holy cats. None of you do. Only a few. You know what? There is this crazy thing on our website called a contact form. I'm going to charge you. Could you do me a favor? If you are already in a small group, And you're experiencing that Joshua and Caleb thing? Could you send us a contact note? And if those of faithful few who have the connection card, you can write it on the connection card. I'm in a small group. Because that will encourage those of us, Paul Schussler, and those of us who are trying to start new small groups, that will encourage us. But for those of you who aren't in a small group, would you reach out to us? We'll do this more and more throughout the August, but... Your response now, you could serve as a Caleb to us because we are fighting an uphill battle. Let me tell you, it is not our DNA to be in a small group as Lutherans. Oh, we don't do that. Now more than ever, we need it. Would you be a Caleb to those of us who are struggling so that no person struggles in our family of believers with loneliness, that they have a Joshua and a Caleb who help them remember the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Would you help us and encourage us by reaching out to us and saying, I am interested in a small group because I want to serve and I need to be served because everybody needs to be reminded. Let's read it together. The Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. You know, one of the beauties of the Lutheran faith is that we hold confessions of faith very important. And what are confessions of faith? They are simply God's camping stories condensed into a short enough form that we can memorize and recite to each other. I would ask you, let's do that right now. Let's use Luther's explanation of the Apostles, first article of the Apostles' Creed, as just one of the camping stories that reminds us the Lord is with us. The future may be frightening, the dreams may seem unattainable, the promised land. Maybe it doesn't seem like it's for us because the enemies are unconquerable. 
let's speak together and remind each other the Lord is with us. The victory is ours. We don't have to be afraid. Please stand and let's join together and make this confession. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. What does this mean? I believe that God created me and all that exists, and that he gave me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my mind and all my abilities. And I believe that still preserves me by richly and daily providing clothing and shoes, food and drink, house and home, spouse and children, land, cattle, and all I own, and all I need to keep my body in life. God also preserves me by defending me against all danger, guarding and protecting me from all evil. All this God does only because he is my good and merciful Father in heaven, and not because I have earned or deserved it. For all this I ought to thank and praise, to serve and obey him. This is most certainly true. And let's pray. Lord, it can get so tiring on this camping trip. Sometimes we just go, can't we just be in the promised land now? And then your wisdom, you say, no, you got to keep on fighting. When we get tired, just help us remember the calming present. The Lord is right here with us. The victory is ours. And the Lord, truly, let your Holy Spirit rest on each of us, that each one of us prays, what can I do to address this epidemic of loneliness that Satan is using to destroy families and people and God's church? How can I step into that and be a Joshua and Caleb? And, and if it's being a part of that smaller group, then Lord, help me, to, help me to make that commitment. Because you care for me. You've sent Joshua's and Caleb's into my life. And I want to be an answer to somebody's prayer. Use me as a Joshua and Caleb to push back the spreading despair. To remind them the enemies are already conquered. And our dreams, the ultimate dream of your promised land is already ours. Lord, it seems impossible. It's a change of heart for so many of us. But the Lord is with us and we do not need to be afraid of them. Amen. And let's join in the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, 
now and forever. Amen. Oh, maybe I do have one passage in Numbers that is even better than Adonai Itanu. Oh, Tiraum, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid of them. You know what that other passage might be? Numbers chapter 6. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.